I hung a left and bounced into the lot of Bailey's quality cars as the policeman jumped to his feet, waving his hands like a burning blind man. I stomped the brake, leaving the tail of my Dodge Charger out in the curb lane. The cop ducked under the yellow ribbon stretching between two light poles and motioned me forward, glaringly. He pointed to an empty parking space among the one-owner beauties. Pulling in and opening the car door, I felt the chill autumn air water my eyes. I'm cross. I handed the policeman a laminated copy of my new 1988 PI license. An attorney named Hallbrook called me. He exhaled puffs of steam at my identification while I listened to the wind play crack the whip with the colored pennants above our heads. Inside, he grunted, letting go of my license. The breeze caught it for a second and then tossed it under the tire of a late-model station wagon. And take it easy, hotshot, on those sharp turns. Grudgingly, I stooped to retrieve the plastic card, feeling my temper begin to build behind my eyes. Hard-working Columbus cops, trained to direct traffic till the day they die. Seconds later, I opened the glass door to Bailey's showroom and got my first whiff of burnt meat or scorched hair. A phone rang, but nobody answered it. A few of the company's loudly dressed salesmen had come in that morning, only to be corralled between a lemon hatchback and a cherry red convertible, and questioned by the many-handed representatives of the homicide squid. The sight of it made my head hurt, or maybe it was the smell. Hallbrook turned out to be thirty-five, overweight, and dressed in a pale, shiny suit with hair to match. He shoved a file folder under his left armpit when we shook hands. Nicholas Kazin has had this kind of problem before, he said, hustling me along the hallway to a darkly paneled office in the back. The stench got thicker. In this neighborhood, you'd think all he'd have to worry about is auto thief, but there's been an increase in B&Es over the summer, so he's upgraded his security. You understand. It was a statement, so I said, "Uh Uh-huh. We turned a corner and were met by a lean, hawk-nosed man in a blue polyester suit whom I'd done credit checks for several years earlier. He still had curly short hair and, what little was left, had turned salt and pepper. He was Greek, or Turkish, or something that grew him a five o'clock shadow before he could even splash on aftershave. I nodded, and looking into his tired, olive-black eyes, Hello, Nick. I didn't do it, Elliot, he whined. He was like that when I got here. Honest. Hallbrook dusted invisible dandruff from the car dealer's left shoulder. We know that, Mr. Kazin. Now please, relate the details of the accident again. He indicated the bored cop standing beside the door. And keep your voice down. I got out my notebook and ballpoint, trying to get comfortable leaning against a wall decorated with top service plaques and Salesman of the Year awards. Kazin ran his fingers through his thinning hair. Okay, I came in earlier this morning. Earlier than usual? I asked. He blinked. Uh, yeah, about 8.30. Why so early? Reports. Month-end sales figures for the accountants. Hallbrook grew impatient. Look, Cross, 
Just let him. Okay. So go on. Kazin started again. So, I I unlocked the front door and smelled something burning. I I thought somebody'd left the goddamn coffee pot on all night, you know? So I dropped my newspaper and stuff here on the desk and hurried back to the storeroom to turn the thing off. That's when I found the punk lying on the wireframe by the door.